We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking blockchain, e-games, cannabis, and so much more without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. <laughs> With three bro- hey, you get you get to shine today. Your people, half of you. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. After those comments, I got nothing. I got. I mean, I'm saying that in a good way. Hey, man, it's uh, aesthetically. Uh, we're, we're talking about Miami later today. It's aesthetically pleasing in many ways. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about today? Like, welcome to the welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Whiskey Hue. Uh, I'm excited to talk about today's topic. I think it's very timely. Um, if you were, we were talking about taxes earlier today, so I think it fits it fits right in with the conversation. Uh, but but you know, before we dive in, I want to check in. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? It's been a it's been a hectic week. We had. Um, you know, an amazing IPO that just came out yesterday. Mm. By the time you hear this episode, it'll be a week away. But uh, Coinbase, which is the first okay. of one of the many Bitcoin probably stocks that we'll see over the next couple of years. But this is the first. And, you know, I will say that I was watching it very closely, not because I'm an investor, but just because the way the market was watching Bitcoin and all the coins and crypto across the board. So what's going on? It's all. It's awesome. It's awesome. Not, I, I thought you were going to go into Nas, man. Nas is a uh, Nas is the face. I know the brains behind the operation, though. <laughs> Nas Nas is a smart investor, though. He's uh, that dude. Uh, man, we all obviously love him for his music, man. But apparently, so my friends who run his fund with him, mm-hmm. Nas comes equipped to the table. Like he knows what he's talking about. But my friends put in, so it's like Nas is going to get there. Uh, you've seen all these articles. Nas is going to be six hundred mil, whatever he's going to be worth after this deal. It could be. I don't know. My friends. You know, Anand put in, I think, on par with Nas. Nas is the face, though. So he gets the credit. It's, it is what it is. Wow. But Na- Anand, Anand's the brains behind a lot of things that happen over there. <laughs> He's a smart dude. It's all, <laughs> you got it. So you got to have people who had the money. You got people who had to have the brand. Yeah. So celebrities come to me. I know how to run these numbers. So <laughs> let's do this, man. <laughs> well, that, and that talks about uh, probably another episode that I have on my list of us to do. Just talk about uh, diving deeper of how to get in on deals, right? So, you know, we often hear about these deals where Nas is in and I think it was like Ring. He made a ton of money and yeah. um, uh, Pluto TV and now Coinbase and a lot of the things that he's invested in to take, have taken off. You know, with Coinbase, I think he, you know, rumors has he's like 100 million. Who knows what the real number is? But KD, uh, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. he uh, was in the Coinbase deal as well, where I think he invested at a billion dollar valuation and now currently the valuation is over, I think, a hundred and hundred billion. So he got a hundred X on his money. If you look at, listen to one of our earlier episodes, I think it was the Thule Talks VC. Uh, he talked about, you know, the ideal return is 20, what would you say? 10 to 20 X on your return? A hundred X, but yeah, 10, 20 is at least, a, that's a nice starter. Yeah, that nice starter. So KD getting a hundred X is, 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 is amazing. So, you know, those type of things I think are very important to the process. Uh, but just understanding how you can get in on a deal, but then also once you get on the deal, how do you keep it going? So that maybe that's a, a topic for another week, but, um, you know, that was, th- this has been my week so far, just looking at that deal, looking at what's going on in the world, you know, J and J. 
They got that. Uh, Oops, <laughs> they got that bad vax. <laughs> Yeah. Oh you better vax that thing up. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's, what's, oh, what's, what's scary. Yo, sorry. Uh, what's scary is that one, that's the vaccine that people who are hesitant about getting a vaccine <laughs> wants, want to get because they're like, listen, I'm just giving that one shot. I have to worry about the temperatures of everything. But what's, what's really scary about it is what, what is causing the, what's the six cases of women. Now, like they said, when it comes to medicine, and, and and the pharmaceutical industry, you know, six out of who knows hundreds of thousands. Six point eight million. million. Yeah, out so of, it's like point zero 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 one percent. But what's scary? What's scary about it is blood clots, right? Where where it's a huge issue in a lot of different communities because a lot of times blood clots yep. are genetic. And I've had my personal experience, not myself, but with with a loved one who had blood clots, and it was mm. it was deadly. So. Mm. People do need to pay attention to the fact that if these symptoms are arising from after you get the shot to immediately see or go to the emergency room. Don't play around and think it was just yeah. a pain in your chest or whatever, something small. Go to the emergency room. It's better to be safe than sorry and get it checked out because it literally is a life or death situation. And some people's bodies can break up a blood clot, but most people can't. Sorry to bring it down, but you know, I just wanted to be honest. No, and, and then I'll... I'll I agree. That's that's a that story you shared with us before, and that's that's a rough one. And then I'm thinking, like, so if, you know, I think if you take a perfect cross section of just 6.8 million, 7 million people across America who haven't had a vaccine shot, I'm sure there's a lot more people with blood clots in that population. So I know I think we overcorrect in our okay. our cancel culture here. So let's just be careful, everybody. Wolfsters. And then one of, one of the stats I read was that uh, women who take birth control, I think that number is like point zero zero five percent. So, you know, it, I think, yeah, like there's a big overreaction, which is needed, you know, with the, the drug and a lot of the stuff we are that are unknowns. But, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily throw all the, the, the vaccines down the drain, but uh, I'm just lucky I didn't get J&J. So, you know, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my second one next week. Oh, uh, man, you're going to be ready to hit these streets. Where are you going? <laughs> you're going to hookah bar. You're going to the pool. Where are you going? Hey, wait two weeks. We're going, to, we're going to a Yankees game. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be some fun times. That's fun times, man. But gasolina. We got to go, man. Esta yoka tabe vimo. Remember that high track back in the day? Esta loca tabe vimo. All right, maybe not. That was a house track. Girl, I'll house you. You in my house. Now, oh, you're talking about a house track. I thought you were bringing up like a. Uh, that Gasolina song. No, Gasolina is a current one, but, uh, you know, then I flipped it back to the 90s, too. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> so we're all the way lost, ladies like, and gentlemen. We're all the way lost. My hot, my hot period in life was the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, oh, I lived in the 90s. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. So, so, you know, before we kick off, I want to just dive into our whiskey. Did it kick off yet? <laughs> <laughs> Before we kick off officially with our topic, at least, or you kick uh, me off is what you're saying. Yeah, you're gonna kick you off, definitely for sure. <laughs> I got, Gasolina, <laughs> I got served, man. I'm just gonna hang out over here. So we uh, we're gonna be sipping on WL Whaler Special Reserve. That's something that uh, it's it's pretty new to me and something I learned about recently. Um, that we'll dive into deeper, but we're gonna sip on some WL. Whaler Reserve, and it's uh, it's going to be our sipping bourbon whiskey of the day. So um, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. So one of the things that 
you know, we're going to talk about today. And I think Athul was trying to get at with his bad accent. We're going to be talking about. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Miami. Uh, Boom. You know, you know it, it, it's almost like when Suge Knight stepped on stage and he said, you don't want your producers dancing all in your videos. Come to death row. The mayor, oh. the mayor of Miami actually did the same thing. He uh, is saying that there is a, a huge opportunity for startups to come to the scene. Miami has uh, access to, you know, ports and access to, you know, the, the southern hemisphere and, you know, everything else to be quick. And, you know, how could you not love to live in Miami, especially with low taxes? So he said, how, how can um, a, Bay, a Bay Area venture capitalist tweeted, what if we move Silicon Valley to Miami? And the mayor of Miami, mayor of Miami, uh, Francis Suarez, uh, responded, "How can I help?" And then he went, he went even further, and I, and I'll have to find the specifics, but you can Google it. He put a billboard up in San Francisco and said something to the effect, oh, like, "Yes, we're, yes, we're, we're open for business. We, you know, we want you to come to Miami." So, you know, he's pretty much the Suge Knight of mayors. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, 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 he's a softer version. He's a softer side of Sears, right? <laughs> <Let's put it. laughs> no, he, he's doing dope things, man. He's he literally reaches out to people on Twitter. Like my friends have conversed with him. I don't know the same dude from Nas. Uh, his fun from Queensbridge. He's he basically hit him up on Twitter and he tweeted back. So they they talk about it all the time. So like he's literally on there active. He's using Twitter for a politician using Twitter for a good cause. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> but and he's and he's literally trying to open it up. It's it's dope. What's happening? Go ahead. I'll cut you off. Then I'll jump in. No, no, no. I mean, I think you. I think you started to get there. That you know, it's a tax friendly climate. Florida has no oh. personal income tax. The weather's great, um, and you know, it's a great getaway to Latin America, and, and of course, the nightlife. And there's space, mm. right? So there's a yeah. lot of positives that you know, as people start to get hit more and more with high taxes, high cost of living, and your Silicon Valley, which is in the San Fran area. Or your Silicon Alley, which is in the New York area, okay. you know, I named it Silicon Beach, right? That's my that's my thing. So if anyone starts to make money off of it, make sure I get my cut. Um, but you know, why not open it up for business? It makes sense to me. I'm I'm pretty sure before VC money got to those beaches, there was Silicon floating around all of those beaches. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there. Bam! That's what I do. All right, Miami. Clyde, you, Clyde, you alluded to it. Let's, let me class it up. My, uh, Clyde, you already alluded to it, right? Miami is a landing pad for global companies yep. wanting a U.S. presence, right? And likewise, a launching pad for U.S. companies wanting a Latin American presence. So you hit it spot on. Uh, Miami used to have, they have a decent amount of tech talent in the neighboring schools, Right. Florida U's down there. You got a whole bunch of other tech school, uh, schools putting out a lot of diverse talent in tech. We'll get to that in a moment. But Miami used to have a net exodus of tech talent, meaning they'd earn their degrees there, then leave for these other areas you just mentioned. But now with the economy to support them locally, they if you can create opportunities for them to stick around and inspire innovation, hopefully that'll lead to huge exits. So right now, it's, you know, we know it's San Fran, New York City, Boston, obviously. And the Boston. fourth one would be L.A. as far as exits in the last Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you know, right? In Chicago, got pretty high up there. They had repeat after repeat, exit after exit, hit after hit for a while. It doesn't have, it doesn't have what uh, you know, nice taxes. It doesn't have good weather like Miami. You could be out every day of the year. Um, so it's either so Austin and Miami inherited a lot of these New York City, San Fran cats. But you want to be landlocked, or you want to be on the beach? <laughs> right? Well, it's funny. So 
it's funny. <laughs> well, it's also all right outside of South Beach, right? You know, Miami, South Beach is technically not Miami, right? So, technically, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we up to Fort Lauderdale. You go from South Beach to Fort Lauderdale. Well, but, but then you you have an affordability side too for like early stage startups. Right. So you have that option. Right. Because what, what was the big issue with San Fran? What's the big issue with New York? Expensive. Like you can't. It's hard to live here. You know, five people in a one bedroom apartment. Um, and so and that's what you're going to, have to do for a startup. But, you know, it's funny. A couple of years ago when I was, you know, in my South Beach uh, crawls, Good you know, times. a couple of times for work and I was working with a startup and I was going into I had to step into a We work. We work in South Beach was cool. There's a lot of up and coming startups in there. And you you have that kind of environment as well. So you, you got a lot of hustling going on. And to your point, there's an international feel, a different mm. kind of feel. So if, if you got a city that's willing to welcome you, you know, why not? You know, we talked to, you know, a couple episodes ago, we had uh, Boris Moisten on here and he was talking about how he does Black Man Talk Tech down in Miami. Um, and mm. there's been other tech conferences that have been down there that were smaller. They don't get the recognition from the tech crunches of the world, but Therefore, different demographics who are looking to really develop their startups, talents coming down there. And listen, if someone hits me up and says, Anthony, we want you to work out of, uh, you know, work for this startup down here in Miami. We'll pay you X and, you know, I can live here and I can stack a lot more money. We're already doing this podcast on squad remotely uh, uh, anyway, so <laughs> I might be gone. I love Jersey. Hey, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like Dan Levitar back in the day when he used to record at the Clevelander. <laughs> New Jersey about to be your ex. Uh, so, but yeah, go, let's hit it up with the Miami Tech talent, right? Um, so they benchmark right around the population for the black population, around thirty percent of tech talent coming out of their school systems, right? Uh, they over-index in Latin and Asian. So there's 29% of the tech talent coming out of the schools there are, you know, in Latin. Asian, 10%. That's kind of what we do. We always go into these tech fields. <laughs> Female, they could kind of pick that up. Uh, there's only 25% of the women graduating from those co- universities down there are going into tech fields. So that's one area they could pick up. So they have an abundance of talent down there already. Um, I think I still think Stanford and NYU and Boston offer kind of What's the best way? What's the PC way of saying it? Like high, high quality on a consistent basis, high quality talent. But you can't frown at what's coming out of Miami or these other pockets, Chicago, Austin, all these other pockets have great talent as well. It's like it's like anything. All it takes all it takes is for you to have a couple big one or two big startups to come out of an area and then the whole mindset of the area changes. Right. And yes, NYU. Listen, NY New York wasn't anything when it came down to tech, you know. 10 years ago. I hate to say it like yeah. that, right? We, they were talking about it. Bloomberg helped with Bloomberg, that. Yeah. Exactly. Bloomberg yep. was trying to push through with the whole tech hub with Cornell, I think yep. it was. Cornell, yeah, Cornell. I think they and, gave them like the whole island, right? Yeah, exactly. So Roosevelt, baby. And within, within <laughs> arguably within a 10 to 12 year period, New York is now a whole different beast. Now, New York is a, is, is a different kind of, it's hard to use New York as a, 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 a case to how to develop a city because it's just such a unique city. But, Let's not be, let's be clear. Miami has an opportunity. I think it's a great opportunity. We need something outside of, you know, people saying they're, everybody's going to Texas, uh, with, with Austin, but uh, you know, I, I would, I would in a heartbeat move to Miami and, and work and develop a startup down there. So sounds like you've already been looking. You got your bags back Dang. over there. <laughs> it's like, it's, we're all, it's relatively we're all cheap, moving. man. We're all moving. <laughs> right, right, right. So let's, let's talk about some of the people like in Anthony's, uh, 
you know, uh, pay class, you know, his, his socioeconomic level. What? Uh, Keith Revoice just bought a $30 million mansion down there. He's, he's a member of the original member of the PayPal mafia. He's now a founders fund with, uh, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel, who's like the OG OG, uh, his, his mansion is only 20 mil, man, 18, 20 mil. Come on. You gotta step it up compared to his partner. Um, but you know, these guys invested in LinkedIn, a firm, obviously PayPal, you know, Peter Thiel was at Facebook. That's what he was first known for. And then obviously every Palantir, everything else since then, um, SoftBank, you know, and I know you're going to get to this, uh, in a minute. That's your favorite. favorite, They're uh, committing a in my favorite group, man. But you know what? I, I, I tell it like it is. I, I write them and I'll, I'll celebrate them. They're putting a, you know, they already have a $5 billion Latin American fund headed, headquartered in Miami. Yeah. So the next step, $100 million fund to support the local economy. And so here's the thing. You're going to invest now. You're planting the seeds. Mayor Soares, coming from Great Roots. His father was a three-time mayor as well in the 90s. And um, so he's got great roots. He's a lawyer by background. He wants to make this happen. So you're going to see, start seeing these seeds get planted now and the fruits of it, seven, eight, 10 years when things start IPOing or getting acquired from bigger scale. You have a lot of funds down there already. Citadel, Goldman Sachs, they're all thinking about moving down there, but you got Aero Equity, Banyan Funds, Bayside Capital, Blue Equity. You got a ton of great quality funds down there because the taxes are great, man. Income taxes are nice. Your money goes a lot further. Yeah, absolutely. Not only that, but then you also have the opportunity to pretty much set your your company up for what the world will, what America will look like in 10 years. So, you know, if you read all the, stat- the studies and data around what, you know, what Miami looks like today around the diversity, the different cultures, it's, it's basically saying that's what America will look like in 10 years. So people are trying to get ahead of it in the future and say, you know, let's build a company um, based on, you know, the diversity of, of the country. So it, it makes total sense. And one of the things that I, th- I saw was very interesting. He touched on this with Bloomberg when he pretty much took over, not t- took over, but did an initiative with Cornell and launched a, a district or an area for uh, the startup culture. In Miami, they launched a, a district as well, which is called Flagler District. And they're pretty much revitalizing the neighborhood. And they're going to be focused on attracting startups, um, art and culture as well. And, you know, that's one of the things that drives these type of conversations, conversations, because ultimately it don't necessarily be a whole town. It's often like a couple neighborhoods, a couple blocks. And this is where everyone operates. And then the banks come in, like you mentioned, Goldman Sachs, BlackRock. Those uh, companies are, you know, considering going coming down. And, you know, once you get them in there and they start making investments and uh, you get the startups and you get one or two hits and you get some Y Combinators or some, mm-hmm. um or some startup uh, uh, incubators, then you're, then you're on the rocket ship. So, you know, I think Miami's mayor was very smart to to do that because you want to diversify your your revenue stream, your income um, as a as a mayor of a city. And then, you know, set yourself up for, you know, the next 10 to 20 years, because while there's no state income tax, but you got to just think about, you know, all the income tax or taxes that are going to be coming from other revenue sources where, you know, people buying those 20 million home, 20 million dollar homes or 30 million dollar homes. There's, you know, taxes on that. So uh, yeah. in a pandemic, you know, it was definitely a smart move because people were looking to get up and get out. You know, yeah. if you've been struggling riding the subway and doing everything in New York City or if you've been in that small apartment in San Fran and going to work at two hour commutes, you know, why not go somewhere else? And and especially when a lot of the larger companies are saying they're remote, remote work from anywhere. So that's a part of the conversation as well. So the whole, and that, you know, Hey, in any, 
when you face adversity, celebrate the successes that can come out of it, right? Um, and that's how this the Miami propped up Austin. A lot of people are inher- it's inheriting because look, you didn't have to have those face to face meetings. Eighty, you know, I'm in this space. Seventy five percent of my day is those face to face or a meeting of some sort, right? It's relationship building. So when you couldn't do that in person, okay, you didn't need to be in Silicon Valley. Let's pop over to another spot that's hot and it's kind of cool and I can hang out at it. Now, as things begin opening up, you're going to see an attrition from there. Like 30% of New Yorkers, 30% of the influx of people that went into Miami were from New York. Second was San Fran and then the rest kind of followed in tier. Let's see if people pop back and forth. Uh, you might have a primary residence down there, but the one, another smart thing, I'm not going to say one, one of many smart things Mayor Suarez is doing is cryptocurrency, baby. He's really pushing that. He wants to pay government employees in it, accept it for uh, taxes and other interests. So he's he's propping that system up. He knows there's a, it's smart because there's a ton of money being poured into it. Some of it will be wasted. Some will not, but it supports <laughs> local economies, right? Obviously, no, it's a, it's a venture play, right? You throw money and hopefully something sticks in a sense. Yeah. So, and then as long as that 10% returns 500%, you know, and everything else falls off, you're good. Uh, 10x over. So he, he's making smart. Play. I think he's going to run for president at some point. He's like a young Obama type of dude. He's got a, some clout because you got a lot of VC folks who tend to lean, depending where they are, like liberal or libertarian. Um, they love this dude because he's open. He doesn't want to tax them. I mean, you you know, we, we we want companies to kill it in America, but then we tax the hell out of them once they make it. They're trying to get after Amazon. They're trying to get after all these companies. Let them float, man. <laughs> what do you want? You want us to be successful? You want to clamp us down? I'm not going to get wokesters coming after you now. Oh, shit. I was about to say, I was about to say you opened a can of worms. We were, we were, we were, we were on, we were on a good path. And, then you, <laughs> and here comes a fool. Gladly. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. 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 So it, try to cut them out. Try to, listen, we might have to edit it out. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then, so, you know, Miami is hot and that's one of the, the places I think is going to boom. But, I'll open you up for this question. What other what other cities or or towns do you see going down the same path? Austin, Austin. Well, that, well Austin's already there. So I think if I had to list, it'd be Silicon Valley, um, New York, Boston, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is definitely up and coming. I uh, was listening to Larry Fink, Fink this morning, um, Chairman CEO of Black, BlackRock. Uh, he was on CNBC, uh, but he was talking about how they are opening offices in Atlanta. And, you know, the thing there is that, you know, the talent is there. You think about the number of engineering schools that they have in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So there's tech talent and, and then, you know, the cost of living is low and it's open for business. So Atlanta is one of those places where it's it's booming. Um, you think about places like Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh with Carnegie Mellon. It was already hot. Yeah, it was already hot. Anything and, else and on the list? Uh, you know, New Orleans tried. My wife and I visited New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work in that I don't think they can support it. Nothing against the city. I love the music. Uh, um, it's not going to work there compared to like an Atlanta or a Miami of spots. What, and why would you say that? I mean, we, we visited a lot of places. It, it's smaller, smaller shops, and they really want to hold on to the aesthetic of what used to be hot. And it's hard to move to migrate an entire ecosystem. You could put like, like you said, it's a neighborhood driven thing. You could prop up one area and then it bleeds out. Uh, it's difficult there. I didn't enjoy my experience there outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I love a lot of new cities. So, um, you know, before okay. I get woke, wokesters coming after me second time what, this time today. What, you I know, it's, 
what I'm surprised is the what you don't hear a lot about when it comes down to either um, the Charlotte or or Raleigh Durham area because you got that tr- triangle that was always supposed to be a tech a tech development area right with UNC and Duke and NC State and also DC the DC yeah. area DC area has a Hot. lot when it comes down to the uh, especially any firms dealing with any kind of tech develop I mean uh, government contracts uh, who deal in that kind of space are really been developing out there. But you don't hear a lot when it comes down to it. Maybe it's just because other news has been taken over D.C. in the past four years. But they do have a lot when it comes down. To, you know, I've been on a couple of meetups over the past couple of weeks, months, actually. Um, and they have some in- interesting stuff. I think it's all going to be what, we, what you guys mentioned. There are going to be certain areas that are, are, are core or focused on certain industries because mm-hmm. it's just it makes sense. Right. Um, not everybody's going to have multiple industries in there. So, yep. you know, that's what D.C. seems to be. Um, I don't know what Miami's going to be. I don't know what the, that triangle with Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham is going to be. But they seem like the best places because you got the collegiate aspect. You got, you know, you know, you know, talent. It's a hub. It's a city area. So I don't know. So all these new places that try to pop up, D.C. is like going to be a hot spot. Like there's a nice tech hub already emerging there and has been for a while. Because guess what? Government hires the most entrepreneurs of any other mm-hmm industry vertical let's let's put it that way and what are you going to get you're going to get things like communications and ai technology coming out of those kind of spots so that could be a really hot spot if they play it right and there's you know we we looked at that place we looked at you know princeton and dc area because i got some great friends down there Uh, what miami offers over some of these guys is the future is decentralized global ecosystem for this whole place so if they have if they're a kind of a launch pad and a landing pad to the latin america here and then please Folks coming from otherwise. That's why New York and Silicon Valley thrive for so long. The talent was there, and then it was a nice destination as well. Yeah. I think Miami can do that. The thing they'll need to do, though, to support it. So Atlanta, one great caveat that they have is they have huge corporations already headquartered there. You need headquarters because headquarters and drives you get taxes there, drives local employment, you get consumption and taxes there. So startups, you know, if ninety percent of them fail, let's say seventy five percent, you want high quality companies coming in, funds coming in, the paying that and that have you want huge corporations then, you know, to subsidize so the startups can play, figure out things, break, and then, you know, fail and then ultimately succeed. So you still need headquarters of big corporations there to come. That's why I like Goldman and BlackRock and all these Citadel and all these cats coming, because they can drive the tax base and the revenue base for the city while they sort it out on six to eight year run on all these startups that hopefully emerge. Does that make sense? What no, I said? Make, yeah, it makes a lot of uh, sense. So you no. got to have, and then what you do is you have people there that can be talent that's willing, that's not willing to make the immediate risk, but they're also able to like put their toe in the water and, you know, say, you know what, I'm working at Goldman still. Let me just go down to this second tier city. And then they may, <laughs> they may like, you know, be involved with this startup. And then the opportunity to invest or the opportunity to take the leap of faith and lead a company is a lot less greater because you're not, Straddle, you're not strapped with all these high expenses from these other cities. So I think that's that's where I see how that works all together. So just as a side note, so Clyde called Miami's second tier city. So come after him too, Wolksters. Um, but no, I was more importantly, back. <laughs> I lived in Miami for a little bit. Yeah, I lived in Miami for a little bit. It's, I didn't live there, but I visited. I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
It's cool. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? The residences already look like corporate structures. Everything's like white marble tile, whatever it is. <laughs> it already looks very corporate in the homes as well because of the heat, right? So uh, it's driven that way, the aesthetic. So it's, uh, it's going to be nice to flip all these. So it's a bunch of different little pockets down there, right? You got the Venetian Islands where you have all these very wealthy cats hanging out. Yeah. But the traffic is already catching up to L.A. style traffic. My friends who have been hanging out there, my friends went to the Super Bowl um, and then it was in, uh, oh, it was Tampa this year, Miami last year. So they went for that pre everything, right? Um, I'm not gonna say who won and lost the game. Uh, AG knows though, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Like it's, but it's, you know, the traffic was hell for that. And when we went two and a half years ago, the traffic was just hell and with Art Basel and everything going on in December. And it's gotten pretty bad there because it's, Isolated pockets, you have bridges and all these different entryways. So it's, uh, they're gonna have to sort that out. Uh, but look, and, but look, they're Tesla, Elon Musk, Mayor Suarez already on Twitter said, Hey man, they're trying to build underground tunnels to alleviate some of that. They're going the right, they have the right approach, man. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's something we're going to continue to watch and cheers to, uh, these cities who are making moves and not just staying, being stagnant. Um, because if you think about it, you know, let's say a hundred years ago, there were cities known for mining coal and, you know, retailers like Sears and Chicago and everything else. So you have to innovate because nothing's going to last forever. Um, you know, I'll talk about the experience that I had when I went and got my vaccination. It was actually held in the Sears done by the hospital, but it was held in the series. And when I was walking in there, I was like, damn, this is amazing because, you know, 10, 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago, Sirius was like the shit. But now it's just, <laughs> it's just used, it's used for like, it's empty and it's used to give out shots. So like, what, what, you're like, what, you're, you're like, like, oh Sears, shit. Sears was like the first iteration of Amazon. If you think about it, they had the Sears catalog. It used to order out of the catalog. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's how you ordered your stuff. Wait a minute. You just compared Amazon to Sears. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, no, I, I didn't, I didn't compare. I, I'm saying Sears with their order catalog. You know, like you yeah. had a catalog first and that's how I look that's forward how, to that. That's yeah, exactly. You used to highlight hey, section. Mom, what this? They're like, nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you really think about it, we were going to logistics. They were one of the first to really do delivery like that from a lo- with multiple items. It might take two or three months, but it's delivery. Yeah, it took forever. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of things had to come in place for you know. Amazon well, you, well, I, well like I heard a story about you could used to buy a house off of Sears. Like they'll ship you the parts, and you have to build it yourself. You serious? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It was. Yeah, it, was, yeah. that was it shows how old I am. Look, <laughs> that's great. Back man. in my day, <laughs> so right now you got <laughs> you got the old man laugh too. <laughs> you went and got your shot. You got um, some Lee jeans and a tire, right? I feel sorry for them, got, man. Always go. Always got tires out of Sears, man. It <laughs> yeah, always smelled like tires when you went in there. Uh, <laughs> but it just goes. It just goes to the single fact around fact around. Um, Innovation, like I love how Jeff Bezos, Bezos is always talking about day one, right? It keeps you focused on not getting complacent. You're making top revenue. You're the number one retailer, and you know you get, you know, let's call it, let's call it, that you get fat and lazy, and you just say, let's keep doing the thing that's been making us money. And then you have a person like Andy Lambert come in and just <laughs> ruin the company. But uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's my serious that's my serious story. <laughs> yeah, that's <what> <laughs> from Miami to serious. 
Oh, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks, man. What's your JC Penny experience? Give me that too. Damn. <laughs> What's going on over here, man? <laughs> oh man, I'm getting that. I'm getting that oh. latest Tommy Hill figless. Figless. What's going on over here? Uh, but no, hey, you know, retail figured out. You know, some of these retail cats are going to figure it out uh, on the on the backside of this. Um, I'm excited, Miami. I, I I told my wife, let's look into it. I'm, I could check out That's Miami a, for a while. If anything, it has out of all the tech hubs or the potential tech hubs to me. Now, I don't want to. Yeah, whatever. They had the most when it comes down to outside of running your company to having a, a good time or lifestyle. Right. Like I, I, I like San Francisco, but if you weren't working, you know, I don't like it all day, this ain't shit to do. Right. You know, it, it, it was the same kind of people. Right. You, I think the, what one of the key is to kind of have a be in an area, which is great, you know, that you can have a different, different groups of people in different industries and have a cultural scene too, that kind of, that, that kind of adds some kind of value to the area that you're going to be in. Um, and I, and I will admit, at. when I went to San Francisco, I thought it sucked. I mean, it was homeless people everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, well, it's poo-poo that, on the sidewalks, poo-poo right. on the sidewalk. Oh, it was, uh, and you know, I was coming from New York where, you know, in New York is, is bad. I was like, Oh Lord, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they shut up like whole communities, which is sad, right? You got to invest. Yeah. You got some of the wealthiest people in the, in the country living in, the, living there. But then you also have some of the, you know, most distant franchise and poor homeless people there as well. So you got to find that balance. And I won't get into my Bernie, my Bernie Sanders speech, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, San Francisco, I mean, it, it, it wasn't that impressive. And then from a diversity perspective, oh, uh, that shit oh. is even worse, oh. right? Cause you think as a black and brown person, <laughs> I'm going there as a part of a I go to Oakland to find black people. I mean, and they're being dro- dro- driven out. Yeah, uh, exactly. They're living. So, you so, know, I, you know, as you think about it, the black and brown perspective, I, I'm so excited that um, uh, initiatives like Afrotech has, they've yeah. come to areas like that so that you can at least have the conversation and get those black and brown people to start having the conversation. And they're so close to what's going on. Now they're able to take that knowledge and spread out to other cities like uh, Miami or even some places I, I thought you guys were going to mention was uh, um, something close to us. It was like Newark, right? You're so close to New York City and you're getting some of that spillover as well. So mm. it, it's just a lot out there. From Jersey. Yeah. You can always tell where the good tech centers are, like good tech hubs. Um by the number of good South Asian restaurants. <laughs> I just playing. Um, just because there's a lot of dudes that go into tech from our community, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't have a choice. <laughs> I want to go play. No. Go code. I'm three. <laughs> um, all right, man. Anyway. But yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, prop, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm hoping up for uh, Miami and Atlanta, all these spots. Let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, go and move there so then I can tell my wife I'm going to visit you. And then uh, we can hang out. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're going down there without me. We're going to do We're doing a live remote. We're doing a live remote uh, on South Beach. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. On live, let's, on live on a Monday night, you know, oh, Sunday yeah. night. Uh, when is Boris's event, by the way? We talked to him about this. We should do something, a Whiskey Hue thing with him. That's your boy, yeah, man. Make it happen. Yes, you're right. You're right. My bad. Listen, I got other stuff thinking about. Yeah, all right, man, you're right. You got to think about us once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you know, this has been our episode on Miami, um, and you know, we're excited to see how it progresses and, and and moves forward as the mayor, who is pretty much the Suge Knight of, of Silicon, 
uh, of Silicon, Silicon Valley, uh, the Suge Knight. Uh, so, yeah. so what we want to do now is we want to take a pause and take a sip. Take a sip Boom. on our whiskey of the day, which we are focused on W.L. Whaler Special Reserve. And it's a bourbon whiskey. And um, I'm excited for this one because not only is it like a sweet and has a, a presence of uh, caramel, but, you know, it's kind of a, a hack for one of the most expensive whiskeys around, which is the uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Van Winkle. Van Winkle. Um, it's, it's made by Buffalo Trace, the same company that makes. Uh, Trace. No, yeah, Buffalo Trace and Whaler. <laughs> um, so, you know, the hack there is that. You know the 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 cast that they make the Pappy Van Winkle in, they also make the the Whaler in as well. So you're kind of getting that same experience for you know a fraction of the cost. The Pappy Van Winkle is twenty five hundred dollars a bottle. Um, you know if you have someone sipping on that, you know that they're really doing it. Um, so when you come to my house, you'll probably have the WL Whaler. So you know I'm not really doing it. <laughs> when you come when you come to my house, I'll say go to Clyde's house and get. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the, I think this, I think it's very it's a smooth smooth taste as usual, but I think it's a, it it it, t- it tastes very woody, woody right? Like it's um it's worth having because I'm I'm a big Buffalo Trace fan, mm. so it's it's um it's a it's 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 definitely something that you want to keep in your shelf because it's a good pass over. You're like yeah, you know, here's 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 a pappy for yeah. for <laughs> pappy pappy light. <laughs> Peppy light. He's <laughs> a G League. And you know, he's like, oh, G League. You know, you, you know how they used to have like Ralph Lauren Peppy. Polo, and then they had Polo Association. This is the association. You know, <laughs> so you get this at TJ Maxx is what you're saying, right? <laughs> I was like, you know, it keeps oh. you warm. You know, you still got some kind of horse and rider on there, but it looks different. <laughs> It's, 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 it's actually, you know, for cost side, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's still a sixty dollar bottle. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So, right. so it's, you know, it's at the mid range of most of most bourbon slash whiskeys anyway. So it's actually, yeah. you know, it's not like it's twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got that caramel smoothness there. I like it. Good yeah, choice. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, so you know, one of the best parts of the podcast for me is shit you should know. So let's dive into that. Um, Let me get my uh, list. I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got your list. Uh, so I'll kick it off today. Last, yeah. yeah, I'll kick it off today. I'm I'm, I'm kind of prepared. Um, uh, recently, I saw the uh, SPAC purchase. Oh well, IPO purchase merged, etc. With a company called Grab. It's essentially one of the uh, super apps of Southeast South. Southeast Asia, where it's like one of the biggest super app companies and a super app essentially is all the apps in one. I think we talked about this when Jay-Z sold his equity stake to Tidal. Uh, I mean, excuse me, to uh, Twitter and and Africa Jack, as we like to call him. Square. Uh, square. <clears throat> square. Well, Africa, yeah, Af- but anyway. Yeah, Africa Jack. He's the same guy. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. Africa Jack. Probably. Thank you. Twitter makes uh, sense. Square does not, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and you know, talking about them and trying to create a super app. So, what uh, what they have in China, and they've been doing this with uh, Tencent, um, but this other company called Grab, they have a super app where they combine your food delivery, your ride hailing, your banking, and probably a couple thousand more other features. Where you can just pretty much go into your app and do everything you possibly need. So, right now, America hasn't really 
leaned into that because Mm-mm. there are so many different companies, ownerships and stake that they wouldn't want to try to like con- consolidate. Can you imagine uh, yeah. Uber trying to merge with Bank of America and uh, a couple other things together? So, you know, it's it's one of the things that caught my eye and the shit you should know around that is the super app. And there's one in Southeast Asia called Grab that was just purchased by a SPAC. Nice. Oh, oh nice. go ahead, AG. Oh, nice one, man. Nice. Um, I have. I don't really have much today or anything. Um, oh man, you had but, time. Damn. No, That's so actually, 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 my list. Actually, no. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things I like to you know compound is the overtime. You know the uh, the new basketball league that we talked about. Ah, uh, yeah. They hired. Uh, sh- I'm blanking on his first Kevin Ali. Kevin Ali. Yeah. Kevin Ali. Yeah. There you go. Or UConn head coach. I think it's it's mm. again. They're really going headfirst in the competition against the NCAA. Um, and I think this is one of the first of many brand hires for head coaches who know what it takes to get into the NBA. Um, this is going to be a good look. They're really going to play into the NFT space when it comes down to the highlights um, for some of these players. And they're going to do a lot of rev sharing for the, for the players who decide to join. Um, so something to watch out for. I got in an argument with one of my friends who says NCAA is going to be is going to stay intact? And I was like, I believe it will be, but I think it's going to change over the next ten years um, mm. because it's going to have to. Um, and the Supreme Court is not looking. Uh, well, we'll see what the Supreme Court decision it will be with the player pay in the next two months. But something to pay attention to um, because we're going to see overtime is not going to be the last sixteen to eighteen year old league to pop up, um, and the G League is going to probably change their standards. So we'll see what happens. Something to so what? Much. So what? I was excited when I heard about that. Was that not only doing a rev share, um, the payment, etc., but they're going to be bringing in those international uh, basketball teams to compete against, right? So now you're taking the global. Con- now you're making it more of a global conversation for these 16 to 18 year olds who are going to be con- competing against the basketball teams across the the world, and now you're going to be having more sponsorship dollars. Uh, more opportunities again. again. International sponsorships. Yep, absolutely. So I think it's a it's a super smart move, and when I tip my hat, and then it goes back to those investors uh, with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant being one of them. So uh, you know, my my hat goes off, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to see this because you know there's 16, 18 year olds who are out there, and it's always like five to ten of them that they essentially have no business going to. Uh, college, NBA, right? NBA. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it makes sense for the five or ten. The NCAA will still thrive. They'll, you know, make their money off the backs of poor black and black kids who are playing basketball and you know don't get the education they deserve. But you know, I think this overtime thing is perfect for those ten, uh, five to ten super athletes that can make money immediately. Boom! That's all I got. Man. Nice. All right, I let me get my list. Little, all right, I got. We go. We got. I got. We got a hard things. stop. Okay. <laughs> one's about me. One's about half of AG. All right. So <laughs> me, I'm speaking at a million dollar women's summit. We had Julia Pimsler on here a couple of yes. months ago, uh, two minutes ago. And she's uh, her summits next week. She's her whole mission is let's get a million women to a million dollars in revenue by 2030. I think she's on her way. Um, running a session with Morgan Stanley on successfully raising venture capital. Um, one hour later, 
I'm teaching her cl- a class in her Parsons class on investing, same same class, but then that's the same day I'm getting my second COVID shot and I couldn't reschedule it. So it's going to be a shit show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what happens. You, the, the second Pfizer hits you 12 hours later, apparently. So the, I'll be done eight hours after I get my shot. So let's see. Hopefully if I make it through there. Um, all right, man. We spoke about Mayor Suarez, Cuban-American. Let's talk about another Cuban-American who literally changed all the industries you all three have worked in and many of our peers, Desi Arnaz yeah. and right. Lucille Ball, right? So there's an NPR, Planet Money. They have a podcast. Mm-hmm. If you, and mm. Just further celebrate this Cuban culture. Listen to this podcast. because it talks about how Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball invented modern-day TV. All right, bear with me, man. It's a long one, all right? Um, but it's a good one. Uh, they made a movie together, very successful back in the day, and they started dating, right? Um, and they wanted to make that show, you know, which ended up being the huge, one of the largest shows of the time, biggest shows of all time. Um, it was in the fifties, so you know, racism. Um, a Cuban man <laughs> with a tall, <laughs> with a tall red redhead white woman wasn't a thing yet, right? Uh, it may still not be. Uh, so they embarked on a live national tour, and this is going to flip into someone else that we know about in a minute. So they embarked on this na- the live national tour to condition audiences. Desi Arnaz already had an orchestra he used to perform with. And you would have Lucille Ball come out at the tail end and do a couple jokes, maybe sing a little bit. And that conditioned it, everyone, and it works. So, all right, these two people on screen, I mean, uh, on screen could work because live in person, we like it. At the time, comedy shows were always being performed in front of a live audience because that's where they, before they had laugh, laugh tracks. Arnaz pushed to get three cameras, upping the cost because he wanted higher quality and more control over angles shooting. On 35 millimeter, point one, that's still a standard today. Point number two, it's the first time, so then the it was expensive, so the studios pushed back on him, said no. And he said, how about this? If my group, Arnez, if I pay for everything, I'll do it as long as I can own all the rights to production mm. in, the, in the show. First time ever that the talent owned the rights to shows back then. Smart. And he started that. They did five, six seasons of the show, Lucille Ball gets pregnant because they're married and they wrote the pregnancy into the show. Uh, and since the comedy was all live back then, they obviously, when she was delivering, couldn't have her on the show. 77 of America watched the scripted show version of her birth. When she had the baby, she couldn't, you know, she couldn't uh, be, you know, act in any shows. So what did they do? First of all, they merchandise. Point number two, they started merchandising nursery products. Right. And then while she was doing that, Arnaz said, well, we have five, six seasons of shows. Why don't we just rerun, re-air those reruns? Point number two, that's where that began. Um, so, and then syndication became a gold mine for this entire ecosystem. CBS bought out Lucille Ball's show for 4.5 million, equivalent of 40 million today, which is huge. Um, they started Desi Lu's Studios and just check, uh, get, get this hit list, right? They launched several iconic shows in, in film. Dick Van Dyke show, Andy Griffith, Untouchables, The Mission Impossible, Star Trek. That all came out of Desi Lu. Uh, so Cubans and Jewish Americans, last point. I know I'll go forever. Cubans and Jewish Americans weren't allowed into the hottest clubs back then in L.A. So Desi Arnaz started the Indian Wells Resort, which still stands today. Uh, so people like him could party and all his homies could come by. And, you know, it's, still, it's, it's old now. I've seen it. <laughs> but, you know, back then it was probably hot. Uh, so just, you know, to, just to, so they could be together as a husband and wife, they created this whole industry. They forced the industry to reckon with them. And how does this one last party thing? Frank Sinatra did this with Sammy Davis Jr. Black and white on stage together wasn't accepted uh, in, in many pockets and, and maybe maybe still in some southern pockets. <laughs> Frank Sinatra would go on these national tours and bring out Sammy Davis at the end of this at the end of the show, sing mm-hmm. with him, dance with him, tap dance because, you know, he was a stud. And, it, and people started accepting it that Frank Sinatra helped Sammy Davis get into a lot of things. Right. And um, and Sammy Davis obviously had the talent to push it. 
That's all. Listen to that plan. It's a it's a Planet Money NPR podcast. It was fascinating to listen to it. Yeah. All right. It's a good one. Love it. Love it. Love it. So that was a good one. That was definitely nice. a gem. And I'll have to check it out because that that's pretty much game changing for every everything that, you know, I've known around TV and media. So uh I love that one. Dropping gems. All right, I see you, player. I see you. I see you. So, you know, this has been another episode of Whiskey Hue. Thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on all platforms and make sure you rate us. Um, thank you for listening to Whiskey Hue. Peace.